0: You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. Due to some confusing, boring legal stuff, Sin can't podcast any of the knee slapping tracks that are played on air. To dance along with us in the studio, you'll need to listen live. Tune your radio dial to 90.7 or stream it online at sin.org.au.
1: We at Represent would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land on which Sin operates, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present, and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded; it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Kids should go to school. That's what we're committed to.
0: I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no, and I've stuck to it. I didn't need to do this. I've already done a lot of war for the election. The English fought a civil
1: war over over this matter. Don't deal with the nuance of the Canberra bubble i don't know what to do with it we have so much money what we want is more learning in schools and less activism in schools issues that perhaps may be controversial today but 30 years from now your children your grandchildren are going to be thankful that you stood up for what it was right
0: represent represent
1: represent you're listening to represent
0: You are back here on Sin Represent with Mimi and George this week. The Ultimate Duo is on without Bridie this week as she's isolating, I believe.
1: Yeah, Um, she got the Covis.
0: She got the Covis?
1: Yeah, the Covis.
0: Okay, we're definitely not calling it that. But anyway, um, this week we've got a bit of a budget extravaganza, if you like. Um, We're going to be going through all the ins and outs of the recent budget that was announced on Wednesday and what it means for young people and all demographics, basically. To start off our extravaganza that I called it about the budget this this week, um, I'm going to kick us off to just give a bit of an overview of the winners and losers and kind of the ins and outs of everything to do with the budget that was just recently announced. Um, so to get it started, the way that a lot of political analysts are kind of viewing this and economists is that it was more or less just a cash splash ahead of the election by the federal government to kind of woo voters along um before May when the election comes. Um, so with that in mind, there's been a lot of fancy new sugar hits given by um, Scott Morrison and co. Uh, basically, he introduced the reduction in the excise for petrol and fuel, uh, which basically means that the initial excise that was in place was 44.2 cents. That has now been halved to 22.4. One cent, I believe, um, if my mouse is correct. And so basically that just means that petrol price will be coming down a little bit. The catch to this is that it only goes for six months. So one way to look at that is that because it's only in there for six months, the next elected government will have to be the ones to kind of remove that excise in place um, so if Albanese and the Labour Party get put in power um, they're gonna to have to hike up the petrol prices again unless they want to continue the excise which will be very expensive but that's one of the winners um, that I'm sure many of us will be having over the next couple of weeks considering how expensive um, petrol is currently. Um, On top of that, there's been a few incentives to taxpayers and lower-income workers. Uh, Specifically, there's a lump sum payment of $250 that will be handed out to about um, 6 million low-income earners in April, which in essence is yeah, another sugar hit for the lower-income, which I would assume is mainly labor supported um, because it is traditionally a worker's class. So on top of that, there'll be another $420 back um, on tax returns for middle to low income earners who are earning under $120,000 a year, which means that some people will be getting up to $1,500 back at tax time, which is a lot of numbers thrown around, but essentially it will be helping out a lot of Australians who need it most. Um, Another winner for the budget is women, which... Mimi will go into later. I think women is a bit of a general kind of thing to say, but I think Mimi will go into the specifics about that um, in our next segment. Also, Barnaby Joyce's love affair of regional Australia gets a massive increase in infrastructure and a lot more money. Uh, basically, they've announced that there'll be $7.1 billion over the next 11 years, according to ABC, for a new energy security and regional develop plan. Um, basically, that's going to provide a lot of jobs. Um, it will be handed in co-investments with the states and territories um, and also private companies as well to basically help infrastructure be built and a lot of building specifically building dams and logistical hubs in north-central Queensland, which, you guessed it, is Barnaby Choice's favoured land. Um, on top of that, there's a new initiative by the federal government called the Red Spice, which is basically a cybersecurity plan, uh, which will be $9.9 billion delegated to the Australian Signals Directorate, um, which is also known as ASD, Basically, over the next 10 years, it will bolster Australia's cybersecurity and intelligence agencies. Um, On top of that, um, hopefully creating another 1,900 jobs um, in that field. Basically, the reason behind all the cybersecurity expenses was mainly due towards combating China and Russia and protecting Australia's interests, which is obviously a key point that uh, the Coalition believes is important for... Australia Um, because the I'm going to quote not exactly quote but maybe paraphrase Warwick McGibbon who I interviewed last week uh, go check that out on Apple Spotify or Omni um, any of your podcast needs to listen to that interview but basically what he said was that all election promises or economic promises near an election is never good economic uh, plans because it's all short-term thinking not a lot of long-term thinking and mainly just Mainly buying off voters is one way I could I could basically portray that. It's almost with the $250 that I mentioned before, uh, the basically buying voters for $250 of a lump sum of $250. But on top of that, to kind of direct traffic towards the losers of the budget, um, climate change and environmental issues probably have not been favoured as much as There is set to be a decrease in 35% over the next four years for some organisations combating climate change and renewable energies, including the Clean Energy Finance Corporation and the Renewable Energy Agency called the ARENA. Um, So basically, there was funding for about $2 billion um, this year, which will go down to $1.3 billion by 2025 to 2026. The next loser that I have in stock is basically wage growth. We know that um, inflation has been a big talking point and affected a lot of of people recently. Um, While we know that unemployment rates have gone down pretty well to about 4%, um, it isn't going down as much as potential um, as some have predicted to roughly 3% or even below that. So essentially... Combating inflation, there will be a rate of 2.75% in the future, which in reality will probably be about 4.25% for the future, which won't exactly fulfill a lot of um, Australian citizens with comfort. So there were a lot of numbers thrown around there, Mimi, I'm sure you can. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Take that. Yeah, but my that my head spinning. I know, but that exactly is what the budget is. So if you could make out what the winners were from my synopsis and from according to the sources that I took, was that motorists from the petrol exercise, taxpayers, women, regional Australia and cybersecurity are the winners of the budget and the losers uh, is wage growth in general and climate change. Mimi.
1: Yes, George.
0: Um, wrapping all that in your head and all the sugar hits and all the money incentives that have been put in place.
1: I want to know why sweet food metaphors are being used to describe the budget here.
0: Um, I don't know. I just think Scott I heard Morrison someone loves it. His...
1: to it as a hot chocolate the other day, a hot chocolate a hot choc- And I was like, what does that mean?
0: I'm trying to think how that even gets put in like an it, argument about this. It's
1: like appealing to everyone?
0: Maybe it's like a... Uh, It's a dessert, so it's, like, it's a fancy-looking thing, but it doesn't actually – maybe it has underlying problems like heart disease. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. That was a good one, George. Yeah, I know. Thank you. I'm a very good pessimist when I want to be. Um, But, yeah, basically, from what I've seen from this budget and what a lot of other economists and political analysts have seen is that, yes – It's very convenient that a lot of these things were put in April and in the very short-term future, all these incentives put in place. Do you think that um, there is a bit of malice involved with these um, new, I guess, expenditures?
1: What do you mean by malice?
0: Malice in terms of, do you think, Scott Morrison, Anne and Josh Frydenberg um, and the others, (laughs) um, do you think that they're just using this to kind of get a few cheeky election votes. Oh
1: for sure like is it even a question? Um, um,
0: I think Scott Morrison would debate that if he <laughs> wanted to.
1: <laughs> I just don't see how you can have a budget so close to the election and it not have any like yeah effect on how people will vote for you.
0: And the thing we've noticed especially after coming out of a recession and coming out of the economic hardships that we have um, over the last few years is that you've got to plan for the long term and this, in essence, is not planning for the long term, whether that be from a climate change perspective of the cuts that are put in place over there, or towards you know the wage growth and inflation, or even just the petrol excise, which is very short term thinking. Um, one of the main gripes that a lot of people have had with the coalition is their short term thinking um, and not necessarily looking for the long term future, which I think is something that we definitely need to look more towards as we head out of a you know arguably the biggest. Um, economic crisis since the Great Depression. But, yeah, maybe. Um, what else could you take from this budget? What What were your key takeaways? A few niche little things. I thought the red spice was a bit of a strange one, but obviously it's a big component to to the coalition.
1: I thought that was really strange, but I guess it's timely. Like, I can understand why they've put it in. But $9.9 billion?
0: It's a lot, a lot of money. a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but... I guess the trade-off is that there will be a lot of jobs created, Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that could improve the economy a bit and, I guess, that extra security from cyber attacks, which Australia is not far into. So it is – cybersecurity is a very important issue to Australia and uh, the Australian government, obviously. Also, just lastly, with the excise that's been reduced – what do you make of that? Are you happy to see that or... Everyone's no. happy to see it I to mean, an extent. well,
1: yeah. Like, it's better than nothing. But I stand by my segment a few weeks ago and mm. I just... I mean, A, it's so short-term and whoever gets in, I mean, I just find it unlikely. I think the reason they've made it so... Ooh, Scott Morrison's government has made it so short-term is because he knows if he gets in in six months, he could take it away... Or if he doesn't, it's not not his problem.
0: Yeah, it's um, Albanese's problem.
1: So I think, I just think it's very malicious.
0: Malicious, malicious. is our new word now.
1: I know, I just think he like, yeah, I think it's very strategic. Um, yeah. I also think, I just think it would be so much better to get a lump sum, which I know that people are getting this $250, but also is this... Just two hundred and fifty dollars, yeah. one off. Like they don't yeah. ever get it again. Yeah, like so I know six million is a lot of people to give two hundred and fifty dollars to, but it's still not much money.
0: It's not a lot of money, especially when you consider how rent prices are increasing, inflation's increasing. It doesn't keep up. You need a constant rate of know money going into people's pockets it doesn't i'm not an economist i'm not going to pretend like i am but i can't imagine 250 dollars will help people in december no
1: not at all and like it wouldn't make me vote for (laughs) (laughs) but um i mean uh what was i gonna say and i i think it's also been already said that like with this pandemic, we've had like job seeker and job keeper, mm. which was obviously like really good in incentives and initiatives. And the reason that we've come out of like our economic hardship so quickly is because we were we were giving money to the people who need it, and we were, like investing in like the long term. Yep. Whereas this isn't investing in the long term. Like giving people two hundred and fifty dollars to get back on their feet is like nothing.
0: It's investing in the election.
1: Yeah. And like, if we pulled our money and like put it towards those people who really need it, like we did, which was really good that we did do that, I reckon like you would see so much more benefits
0: than yeah. this. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see and how much the average Australian, um, I guess buys into it. Maybe we we can't underestimate how much two hundred and fifty dollars is to a lot of people. So, on one hand, it could mean a lot, and it could be enough to. Um, yeah, get, get a couple extra votes for the coalition. That being said, um, we'll move on. Um, we're still going to stick on the budget theme with Mimi. You're listening to Represent here on Sin. Coming up next is Mimi's segment um, relating to the budget again and mainly spec- specifying women. As <laughs> I ahead, always Mimi. do. As you always do.
1: Yeah, we've got a special budget-themed episode, guys, so hopefully it's not... Too boring for everyone. There's
0: nothing boring about it. It affects everyone's lives.
1: Exactly. So, on Tuesday night, this week, the treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, made his budget speech. He spoke about the pervasive violence against women in our country and stated one in four women are subject to domestic violence and, tragically, every 11 days, an Australian woman loses her life at the hands of her current or former partner. That's obviously a pretty... Um, devastating statistic, Um, but to combat this, Frydenberg announced $1.3 billion will be put towards women's safety. Obviously, it's a very small amount compared to the cyber safety that we're so (laughs) invested in right now. But let's go through what this looks like for the next four years. So $222 million will go towards prevention initiatives such as Our Watch and funds for things like consent education, Fifty-two point four million will go towards the protection of domestic violence survivors against cross-examination by their perpetrators. So, I've I've gotten this off a conversation article, and that's basically word for word. But I'm presuming that that means like in courts, um, there'll be like a bit like more boundaries about like the emotional trauma that goes through when you were being cross-examined, and your perpetrator is, um, you know isn't having the same treatment and is also there to watch um 20 million to establish a women's trauma recovery center and pardon i actually don't know how to say this warilla new south wales i'm presuming
0: we'll go with it
1: and 3.4 million to um, implement the recommendations from the respect at work report and finally 6 million will go towards the federal government's respectful relationships education program which we've also already talked about and that's Something that is really great to see I, that actually makes me personally really happy.
0: Do you reckon they listened to the show? <laughs> yeah, them? I think yeah. it was
1: all us.
0: Maybe okay. they listened to Panorama instead. it's yeah, <laughs> <that's> probably <laughs> where they got it from.
1: Sure. Um, so, obviously, you know, these proposed initiatives are a step in the right direction, but professors in criminology who, um, at Monash University, Kate Fitzgibbon and Mary Seagrave, point out some concerns in their article in the conversation. So, firstly is the women's budget statement um sorry I've (laughs) lost my notes so I can't read it um okay so they say in the women's budget statement that this issue of violence against women continuously seems to be framed as a women's issue like it's something that only like it affects women but women need to solve it it's not our job it's not men's job to fix this and in doing so, that refrains from pinpointing men as the primary perpetrators of this violence, which it is just a fact that men are the primary perpetrators of this violence. If you heard our episode last week, we talk about how in universities, 85% of sexual assault perpetrators are men. So for real change to occur, it needs to be recognised that $1.3 billion needs to be put to women's women's safety, but it's because of men's violence that this needs to be done. Um... The budget also fails to adequately fund family violence and legal services for Indigenous women, who are arguably the women who need the most support. Um, These services, um, often in rural, rural areas, are under-resourced and understaffed. Um, and if more money isn't put towards them, the budget will only be a- aiding the inequitable access that Indigenous women have to face when they need support from um, family violence support services. So... Um, yeah, an inequitability based on um, culture, race and also like uh, rural services just don't have like the same resources and staff as urban ones. Um, the budget also announced the continuation of financial and legal support for temporary visa holders who are victim to family violence but there's no extension of this measure. So once again it shows how the government provides little support to temporary visa holders no matter the circumstances that we've already talked a lot about how the government treats um, refugees and all that sort of stuff. I don't think we need to go into that. Um, so, my question for you, George, so... And I'll quote, I'll say it to you, you know what I mean. Do you think this budget reflects Morrison, the Morrison government's stated objective to, and I quote, eliminate violence against women and children?
0: That is an extremely broad <laughs> question to ask. Thanks, Mimi. Um, but I think... Look, at the end of the day, any kind of funding going towards, you know, we can you know we can have our opinions on what criticisms criticisms we have of any incentive and whatnot. But at the end of the day, this money going in will help out a lot of people, um, especially some that are marginalized, more so in society. So when we think about Morrison's objective to, as you quoted it, um, eliminate violence against women and children, I don't really see a problem with it to be honest. I think that I like we can be critical thinkers of all these kinds of different budget topics and everything. Um I guess personally it's probably a different perspective coming from myself as a man, I guess. I probably am not the best, um, don't have the best position to put an input on this. But that being said, when you just look at the numbers, like 222 million going towards um, prevent, pre- prevention initiatives, um, like Our Watch, or the 20 million going to establishing a women's trauma recovery center in Worola, Um, I just, I can't see myself opposing those things, I guess
1: yeah I definitely think I definitely think it's a good budget yeah like for this I just wish I think a lot of these things that they're implementing and this is this is definitely a good thing. I think a lot of the things that they're implement implementing right now is about um, actually is thinking about the long term. I think a lot of them are educational, a lot of them seem to target um, women and and men all children in schools and, you know, building those foundations from the very start. And I think that's obviously a really good thing. I do just wish that obviously I think more could be done specifically to aid um, minority groups. I think a lot of these obviously will still benefit them, but it still feels quite broad. Um, I think it's always good to, you know, dig into the specifics of things and like
0: yeah there's always going to be a gray area with these things and I guess um in the more marginalized communities you go to the more the gray area exists and the to the extent um hypothetically um maybe it might be more difficult in a marginalized or a poorer community to you know come out against your like abusers or like domestic violence in general. just that's how things go, I guess, um, in society, which is which is a shame. But hopefully there's more of a, as we said, a structural change to things rather than just a, a quick, you know, jab to spend $10 million on what, whatever. Um, it seems like these are more built to implement proper, you know, infrastructure and more of a stability surrounding the issue in itself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Nicely summarised. Thank
0: you. I think that's really um, all we can really say about that, to be honest. I think, yeah, I haven't got much else to add. I think I'm done.
1: Wrap it up, George. Wrap
0: it up, George. That was us reflecting on the new budget reforms, um, especially towards women and domestic violence. You're back on Represent with Mimi and George. I think that's all we have to say for today. I think we yeah. got through a lot, didn't we? Just the two of us? Yeah,
1: we did. Hey. Um, Isn't a good episode. Yeah,
0: who needs Brady? Well, <laughs> imagine having to isolate like that,
1: like I know. Just not Guys, committed
0: to the cause at all. Give
1: us some well wishes. Give us <laughs> some well
0: wishes, yeah. Maybe maybe she can get a TikTok up for us. If you if you haven't followed we're making the rounds on TikTok. A couple hundred mm. views on each, on each sneaky TikTok that we're making. I um know. It goes well. Full props to Mimi for, for that idea. Thank you. <laughs> well done, Mimi. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, give us your thoughts on social media. You can find us by searching Represent. That's S-Y-N represent um, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe if you want to give us an opinion, we might even be able to put on the show. What do you think, Mimi?
1: Yeah, how we? I'm trying to think of a way that we should do that, just through Twitter?
0: Yeah, Twitter's a pretty lively place.
1: Like, sh- yeah, like, I'm. it'd be so cool if we could get people's opinions in and talk about them. Maybe we could put a live TikTok. And absolutely TikTok. read them.
0: Read them as we're on, uh, like, read them like as in, live. like, rip them apart. Wow, all like our habits. 400 followers are going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, that'll go off. So, yeah, um, pitch us a DM, a nice DM. And we'll get to it. But apart from that, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Mimi, wow. today. Thank you, George. <laughs> I know you're a bit sick, so sick. Um, you've done well. <laughs> I'm just. We're tired. gonna call it. Okay, we'll, we'll call it that. <laughs> I'm a. I'm a.
1: Um, what is it called? Uh, self and like self-induced. Like I did it to myself. Oh, Self-inflicted okay. sickness if you're picking okay. up what I'm putting down.
0: Um, I think that's all we need to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you are listening to Represent on Sin. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And remember, as always, to stay political. political, guys. You can't leave me out like that. <laughs> I didn't
1: mean to. Uh, we'll see you next week. See
0: ya. Bye. You've been listening to a Sin Media Podcast, where young people run the show.